0: In part two of our podcast episode with SME CEO Mark Kramer, we hear how Mark led the company through the financial meltdowns of 2008, 2009, and finally through the 2010s when the company started growing beyond the confines of Michigan and picking up steam. Not one to sit on the sidelines, Mark continued to develop himself professionally during this period to keep up with the company's overall growth. Here is part two of the episode with SME CEO Mark Kramer. And I think you guys have done a good job of, of expanding and not, you know, you know, as they say, there's an expression not hanging too far out over your skis, if you will. I think you've kind of taken that slow and methodical, growth and, and, you know, kind of took advantage of opportunities that presented themselves that made sense. Right. And you weren't just trying to grow for the sake of growing.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it because I, you know, we have those discussions when we talk about planning and growth. And to me, growth is always an outcome. Right. If you do the right things for the right people and you treat your people well, growth should happen. Right. People, our clients should want more of the services we provide and that's what's happened over the years rather than you know targeting and say we want to grow and be you know all over the country or we want to you know grow to a certain size we really try to focus on what are the things that we're doing and what are the things that we can do right that will create our growth and so you know taking care of our people training and developing them trying to you know help them become leaders you know that's what helps the growth we have a a program that we started back in the 2000s called build a practice or we call it BAP here and it was really how do we transfer the learnings and knowledge of our younger staff or our senior staff who have learned how to build their own practice and the tricks they used and what they learned and and we've tried to pass that on to our younger staff and you know that early on it was a struggle we did it you know out of necessity because we were like hey you know, the economy is tough here in Michigan. we got to figure out how to get more projects. And, you know, 10, 15 years later, it's amazing the difference in terms of the program and the reception of it and, you know, watching some of those people really blossom after that program. and And it created a lot of the opportunities and growth. And it really, you know, it's sort of that the message we talked about was, hey, you know, if you learn how to build relationships and solve people's problems, they'll want to come back for more, you know, similar back to like what my dad was doing early on. So we're trying to figure out what's that magic sauce and teaching, you know, engineers and technical people who don't want to be salespeople, right? That's the last thing they want to do. But how do you teach them how to just do it in a way that's comfortable for them and build those relationships and go out looking for problems to solve. And, you know, if you do that, you can be successful. And, and we also talk about them controlling their own destiny. And that if they create and build those relationships, then they can do the kind of work they want to do, as opposed to being in a situation where they have to do work that's handed to them. Right. I mean, it gives them a lot more ownership in the process.
0: Well, yeah. And I, I, I guess I was going to say you could call it the Kenneth Kramer method. Right. But uh but I mean, also, when you think about it, you guys are really creating fertile ground for intrapreneurs. To exist at SME right and and so a lot of times we, we talk about it, people being entrepreneurial but you're creating an opportunity for individuals within the confines of an organization to have an entrepreneurial mindset and to maybe flex some of the things that they know and to try some things that you know in, in a lot of environments that you don't you find in d- design firms they don't allow that type of flexibility and it sounds like you allow that at SME and give people a chance to try some new things.
1: Yeah, we, I love your word, entrepreneur. I think that's, you know, that's a great thing. And, you know, really trying to encourage and, you know, help people learn how they can have an impact and how they can build those relationships. And, and uh, you know, we live in an interesting world because we do a lot of smaller projects and, and have a lot. We do a small piece on so many projects. And so having those relationships and having that ability to help is important. And it's really hard for one person to run around and get all that work the way we do it. And so we really need everybody finding those opportunities. And when you look at our cost of sales and you look at our close rate on proposals, it's been very effective. Like people are surprised when they hear how well we do with, you know, our proposal, you know, for the last, I don't know how many years, our proposal hit rate is like 80% and when people hear that they look at us cross-eyed and it's like well we only write proposals that we know that we can that we can win right but that's also because our people are able to create enough opportunities that we stay busy right so i i do agree and i've had this and i there's stories i tell about people that wanted to get into certain areas of our business that didn't exist at the time and trying to work with them to figure out how to do that we had one of our young geotechnical engineers back in the day really wanted to get into retaining wall design. I mean, this is like 20 years ago and, and it was something you really wanted to do. And I said, okay, let's talk about, well, how do you get there? Well, you, you know, you got to know and understand how to do it. Then you got to be able to build trust with people. Then you got to go find a bunch of clients that need that service. And so we worked through a plan and said, you know, okay, here's step one, here's step two, here's step three. And, you know, now they're doing all kinds of work that way. I mean, it takes time, but that's how we've grown some of the services you know you, you almost treat it like a mini startup within the company you know you find somebody that wants to do something and you know if they're really passionate about it and they're willing to put in the energy they can really make a you know a successful career out of it
0: wow yeah i mean you yeah you're you're speaking my language i mean i think you know the mindset that exists at SME that you have kind of shepherded and undertaken from your dad is refreshing because i think in this space in the design industry, a lot of people are, are happy with the status quo. And, and I, I would dare say that SME is kind of runs against that from the perspective that you're just not going to let a lot of grass grow under your feet. And as new opportunities present themselves, as you guys continue to expand even and become even more a higher level of expertise within the areas that you serve, I mean, there, there's always going to be new opportunities that present themselves. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a challenge to manage that, right? Cause you're, you need to do a certain
1: amount of sort of the the good work that pays the bills to you know keep everybody happy and grow and develop but yeah we definitely are looking and we encourage people to go out and you know try new things we just as a you know as consultants and as conservative people we have to manage that and we so we spend a lot of time talking about risk management and teaching our team about that and but it's fun because we we do get to see a lot of projects and a lot of things i mean there's so many things we do sometimes, I don't even know if I know like all the different services and areas that we touch because we have so many people that have decided to become experts in various areas. And it's, you know, it's fun to watch and fun to see when we get to work on some of these projects.
0: Now, I want to, I just want to kind of switch gears just a little bit to talk about just the overall experience of working at SME. And I know, I know we talked a little bit about this, about, Your employee ownership about some of the things that you offer to your employees, 100% of medical. There's no copays. You have very low deductibles. I remember you telling me that your benchmark at SME is a little different because you're always trying to return as much money as possible to your employees. Was that a mindset that your dad had or was that something that evolved over time with you? I mean, yeah, I guess you could make the argument that your dad thought that way because I mean, heck, he took the company over because he didn't want people being, you know, shafted with, with regard to bonuses. But how did that piece of it develop and how do you view ownership there now, nowadays in 2021 in SME? Interesting. That's a great question.
1: Yeah. It didn't come from me. You know, this is my dad felt this way back then. That's again, the title benevolent dictator, right? He was, even though he's tough on people and everything else, he was very, very benevolent you know it's interesting when you talk about it i you know a lot of our team members may or may not recognize it cuz it's hard unless you really dig deep into the numbers and sort of understand the the differences between you know company a and company b but you know he he truly felt that way he would do whatever he could to take care of the people one one of his drivers though was he hated you know he hated paying taxes interestingly enough and so he always, him and his CFO at the time, were always looking for the most effective way to get as much money into the hands of the team as possible. And so when you look at you know any business, right, the money comes from your clients. You have to earn, earn that in your projects and your fee. And then you want to make sure that you take care of the team members and all your subcontractors and vendors and everybody else that interacts with you. And then hopefully there's enough profit left for the company to invest back in the company and that kind of stuff. And and my dad always leaned on the side of making sure the team was well taken care of in so many ways. And and again, a lot of people may argue, but when you look at the benchmarks and you look at all the things that I've looked at over the years and working for a couple of our you know competitors or would have been considered competitors out in the industry, I sort of saw the other side and There are a lot of things in our system that he created that uh, are very beneficial to our staff, and sometimes we take it for granted because it's been here for so long. I mean, the the medical plan is a great example of something that they created long ago, and we've just continued to manage. and And some of it is driven by the Michigan Detroit kind of market requirement for health insurance. Back in the day, it was you know to get staff, you had to compete with The big three in terms of benefits and that kind of thing that's gone away um in the last 10 years but you know we've maintained it because we see you know it it costs the company some money but the company is the employees here we're you know we're employee owned and that you know i'm i'm still majority owner but we have 100 plus other shareholders so i look at it you know like i have one big partner that i have to take care of and and i've taken the same philosophy as my father Cause I'm included in that group, right? So whatever we can do to make sure that we do as well for our clients as possible and make as much money as we can and then spend it wisely and as much as we can give it back to the team. And I, I'm the same way. It's like minimize the taxes. I'd rather give money to our team than give it to Uncle Sam. And, you know, we still pay a lot of taxes, right? Both at the corporate level and the individual level, but trying to be as efficient with that as possible. So you know healthcare is one example where we can you know we can buy that at the corporate level and use pre tax dollars to pay for that cuz you know i've had this my our uh, benefit manager comes and said hey we can save some money we'll we'll just start charging the employees for copay or not copays but you know a monthly fee or whatever like all your competitors we can cut your costs down and i'm like yeah that's great but all you're doing is taking money out of the corporation and then instead you're taking it from the staff. And don't you think that if the, the team has to pay more that they're going to come back and ask for raises and it, you know, we're just going to, you know, be moving dollars from one, you know, one pocket to another. And they look at me cross-eyed and I'm like, you know, as long as it's still affordable and it doesn't impact our competitiveness, we should continue to pay for it this way because it's the most effective way to pay for it on behalf of our team. And we, every, every couple of years, we go back and we look at the math on the different ways to approach it. And we find that our self-insured program usually saves us 20 to 30% over a fully paid premium plan, like a blue cross, but we get just as good coverage. And then, you know, in good years, we benefit in bad years. We, you know, we cost us a little bit more. Uh, but at the end of the day, our team is always ahead because, you know, they, They're responsible for a deductible, but they don't have to, you know, write it or take a payroll deduction every month. And um, we pay, you know, we've gone out and looked at other companies through acquisition and stuff, and we see how much they pay as a percentage of their revenue. Um, And we're, we pay more than normal. So our profitability is down slightly. But I don't, you know, I try to manage the profitability of the company and how successful the team is at the end of the year together, right? Because they're they're not mutually separate. They're really overlapping. And it's been pretty successful. Um, there's other programs, our profit sharing program or the 401k match. You know, some of the other things we do are really set up and, and again, most of these were set up by my father and his team. Again, how do we take money responsibly and pass it along to the staff, minimizing the taxes? maximizing cash flow, you know, so we look at when we do things and that. And um, again, it's not always seen and felt by the team, but the people that have been around long enough and that we've shared a lot of this information with, they get it and they understand it over time that uh, we're really trying to make sure that we take care of the team that way as best we can.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I certainly, I applaud you guys for taking that approach. And I think, you know, outside of finances, healthcare is like one of the biggest concerns or worries that the average American has. So if you can take that onus off of your employees by, you know, kind of doing what you need to do in that area, I think it, it can ultimately pay off dividends, especially from a recruitment and retention standpoint. So I want to encourage you to continue in that vein because we see too many firms that like to cut corners when sometimes even when the going gets tough and and that's the last area that you I think you should cut corners is especially is uh, in benefits for your employees because they're the ones that feel it the fir- they feel it right away and um so I certainly want to encourage you to continue doing what you're doing because it's obviously working. I want to end with this cuz we talked about this a little bit in our last conversation. I asked you cuz you're not into growth for growth's sake, but you said that growth should come from the demand from our clients. And cuz I had asked you at the time, you know, where do you see SME in the next 5 or 10 years and how how large of a firm can you be and that was your response to me how do you feel about growth the growth of SME and and the trajectory that you feel like your firm is going to experience in the next 5 to 10 years
1: yeah i you know just as a you know benchmark looking back to 2014 2015 we've had pretty steady growth 10 15% and sometimes even more than that over the last 5 6 years i mean covid hit us last year but we're back growing again and and we'll probably be up you know 10% this year and and so i think in 2019 we grew almost 25% right so we stretched ourselves a lot and then we you know uh, shrunk back a little bit in 2020 but it's i think looking out at the world and understanding the demands with the infrastructure spending that's coming and And the way the economy is going and all the money that's been put into the system and and that, you know, provided we don't have another black swan event, I don't see why we can't continue to grow at that 10, 15% rate pretty steadily. And there may be years that we grow a little more. There may be years we grow a little bit less. But, you know, if you take that trajectory, right, that's, you know, you're going to double in, you know, five, six years. And so... You know, of course, as you get bigger, growing at that rate is harder and harder, but you also have the people and the infrastructure to do it. So I think we'll continue on that pace, you know, provided, you know, we don't run into a brick wall with something. But uh, and I if we're not, you know, then we got to self reflect on are we doing the right things and are we you know, do we have the right strategy? Do we have the right people? Because I just like I look out 20 and 30 years and say we're in a area in a industry that just is gonna have so much demand on our needs and we have a shrinking supply of people able to deliver. So, you know, from that standpoint, there should always be the opportunity to grow if you're doing the right things with the right people.
0: Yeah. And I know I know the last time we spoke, you also brought up the fact that you felt like uh that the the pandemic actually brought about some unique opportunities, specifically the fact that you said your CFO had a chance to improve all of their processes, that you guys were building out your university in terms of training your employees in a lot of different areas, including your leadership training. Is there anything else that the pandemic has done for SME that maybe wouldn't be as obvious to, to the average person looking at the company? Interesting.
1: Yeah, I think there's a few things that uh, we learned and experienced during that time. And we just finished two or three days of business planning last week. We had a couple of days with the, uh, the group leaders and regional office managers doing business planning. And then we had a strategic planning event on the last day doing our annual reset for our plan. And I think what I saw was, one, uh, we got much more disciplined on our regular communication with the team, instituting town halls. Uh, we have a weekly huddle uh, with the leadership team talking about and we it's amazing we do this meeting in you know 10 15 minutes and we cover a lot of ground things that we thought about doing before that you know the pandemic sort of forced us to but during that time we got really good at it and so i think we've really improved our communication out to the team and the, the speed at which we do it and also how well we do it we also i think developed a great approach to sort of what I'll call crisis management, you know, change things happening every day. If you remember back early on in the pandemic, you know, it seemed like every other day something was coming we had a, you know, the government coming in, you know, our governor here coming and saying, Hey, we're going to shut down construction. And we're like, what do you do? And then the next day, something else. And the next day, and then a client would come. And, and so at the time it seemed like overwhelming, but through that process, we learned how to like get a team together, like have a plan, meet every day or every three days or every fight or whatever you needed to do, attack the problem and then get that communication back out. So we really learned how to deal with that. And I thought that was great. Um, We also saw, I think we learned a lot about ourselves. Um, We saw a number of our clients and competitors and people around us really struggle. You know, a lot of people brought in personal feedback on, you know, people sharing with them the trials and tribulations they were having with their, at their companies. And, and we, you know, that I think made our team feel good that we were handling it well. And so it really, I guess it, you know, it showed that uh, we were able to get through something very difficult and handle it fairly well. And I, and I almost likened it, and I've shared this story with a lot of the team Cause they asked me and I've had some competitors and, and friends, you know, say, how come you were calm through this whole thing? Right. And I always reflect back and say, well, my experience from my first 10 years when I was dealing with all this stuff, gave me a different perspective on how wound up I should get about something and what's important and how we should handle it. And so, you know, I, I think it really, it really helped to, I hate to ever go through that experience again, but sometimes difficult periods, really bring out the character in people and really show you the value and the importance of the team and the people. And I think that's something that happened during this period. You know, we we had our tough times and we had our challenges, but I think getting through it and getting through how we got through it, um, the team really grew together and, and experienced a lot. So I hate, like, don't ever quote me. I don't ever want to go through that again, but it was really a good bonding experience and a good team building experience to go through now that we're almost through it, I think. And we did, as you shared, you know, we took the opportunity to really work on and improving a lot of things, you know, figuring out, you know, how to do the daily check-ins and do it with technology and how to, you know, how to deal with people coming into the office and A lot of different people helped and came in and figured out how to solve all these problems that were hitting us on a regular basis. And it was great to see.
0: Yeah. Well, no, I I certainly applaud what you guys were able to do and accomplish. And it wasn't easy, but you kind of stuck to the playbook. And, um, you know, for better or for worse, you guys have worked it out and and in the process developed some new opportunities, both for the leadership and for the overall employees at SME that I think are going to benefit you guys for years to come. This is how I'm going to close this out, Mark, because you've been kind enough to give me almost an hour of your time. I want you to think of three words that you would describe, both for your employees. Give me one word for your employees, one word for your clients, and one word for that young engineer that's thinking about coming and joining SME. And I know that's a little difficult but but what would be one word overarching word that when it, when you think of your employees what's the one word that you think about the first word that comes to my mind is opportunity okay all right opportunity what about for your clients partners Partners. Okay. That's cool. I love that.
1: How to to be a part, how to be a good partner.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you got to saddle up to the client, make sure they feel like uh, you're, you're going to be along with them for the ride and not just for a portion of it until that check clears.
1: Yeah. I want, I want them to treat me like a partner and have high expectations and, and we should do the same. Right. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I love that. So opportunity partner. And then finally for that young Engineer looking at considering just about to get out of school. Maybe they went to University of Detroit or U of M, or you picked their, your favorite school of choice. They, they're thinking about coming to SME. What's what's one word that you would you would give them to think about if they were going to consider joining your firm?
1: Make it tough with one word, right? It is. It is. So I'm going to say confidence. Okay. And what I mean by that, and you know, something I've learned. That, you know, most of the engineers that I meet, the young ones, have all the abilities, right? They have, they're really intelligent. They have it all there. They have it all in them. And really, they just need somebody to help free up or see that confidence that they should have. We have a lot of discussions with engineers about, you know, how we should be leading things. And part of the reason we don't is because we're all fairly introverted and, I feel like in general, we have less confidence than others. Some people have way too much confidence, right? Yeah. And I think we would all be better off if our engineers had more confidence. And I, to me, that's what I see here when I see people come as co-ops and then staff engineers. You just see their confidence growing in themselves. And the ones that really do well are the ones that not from a, you know, they're, they're all humble here. But it's having that self-confidence that you can stand and have a discussion with a, a person who's a developer who's, you know, probably net worth is, you know, 20, 50 million dollars. And like you're a, a young engineer. And, and that's what I saw with my dad. My dad really had the confidence to sit there and, and stand and help. And he was a partner, right, with a lot of his clients. And I think in terms of our people and what we can provide is help them help develop them, educate them, but give them that confidence that they can do these things and that they can do well in whatever it is they're trying to do.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's great. I think you chose three great words, opportunity, partner, and confidence for the people that currently work at SME, for your clients that you work with, and then for those that may, continue, may consider coming to work at SME. And, and honestly, just with all I know about you and your dad and the history of SME, and just in my more than 20 years of experience in the design industry, I got to say, you guys are doing a lot of things the right way. And so I want to encourage you to continue doing what you're doing. And I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to, to tell this story. Some of it was personal, but all of it was, was encouraging. So thank you so much, Mark, for taking the time to, to share a little bit of SME's history with us today on the podcast.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Randy. I really appreciate you leading me through that you did a great job. So thank you.
0: Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the build and revitalize podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the build and revitalize podcast on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting platform of choice. So you don't miss out on any of our future episodes. Don't forget to visit sme-usa.com and click on the resources tab to listen to other episodes of the podcast and access our show notes. You can also connect with SME USA on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. See you next time.